Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Tag Talk. We have such a a jam-packed episode for you this week. I'm Kylie, this is Haley. And before we get into the news and everything happening in the world of tag team wrestling, we have a surprise for you. Our internet dad, um, Doc, uh, his Twitter is at BR Doc, something like that. Yeah, BR underscore Doc. Yeah. Um, He interviewed FTR, which I'm super jealous of, but he did give Haley and I a surprise from the one and only Cash Wheeler, and we're going to show that to you now. Hey, Kylie. Hey, Haley. I'm here with your internet dad, or if you want to just call him dad. You're with Chris, and we're talking about how it's pretty cool that you two have devoted so much of your time and so much of your passion into tag team wrestling because you might not know this, but I'm a pretty big fan of tag team wrestling myself, and it makes it seem a lot cooler when two younger girls in their 20s that are way cooler than older guys that usually lean towards Dax and I. So thanks for making tag team wrestling seem cool again. That's uh, something that's uh, near and dear to our heart. So also, hell of a job on the seven-star tattoo. So keep it up. I'm, what, I said I wasn't going to cry again. Haley and I cried about this video. We were having such a bad day. We really were. We were having such a bad day. And then I get a DM, and I'm like, Doc is our internet dad, and he likes to know how we're feeling, and I really was not in the mood to talk. But he said, look, I have a surprise for you. And it was the Cash Wheeler video. I said I said I wasn't gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. I'm not. I'm like tearing up a little. <laughs> I am not going to cry, and you know why? I know I'm not going to cry because we're we're just gonna start talking about FTR and the Briscoes. Perfect. Right back no into room, it. No room to cry at all. Nope. Th- thank you to Doc and thank you to Cash for doing that video. Um, Dax also did uh, a shout out video for Rob. Um, I believe you can just go to Rob's Twitter and see it. Rob has such a heartfelt response to it. Um, check out, you know, Rob and Maggie's show on Fightful Overbooked and then on Fightful Select. Great people. Rob is such an incredible and, and kind person. But anyway, back to FTR and the Briscoes. Uh, you all probably remember their legendary match at Supercard of Honor. Um, it looks like they're going to run it back uh, at Death Before Dishonor. Uh, FTR basically was on AEW and called them out, called out the Briscoes. Uh, FTR are the current Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. The Briscoes are decidedly not. Uh, but then the Briscoes accepted the challenge, and Tony Khan said on Twitter, the matches would go for Dead Before Dishonor on July 23rd. Um, I'm really excited for this match. I don't know how it's going to top the first match, but I love that we're getting the farm promo videos again from the Briscoes. <laughs> And Mark so, and chocolate milk. Oh, love it so, so good. There's, it's just, there's just something so. It's just, in the same way that Eddie Kingston feels so real, the Briscoes feel that real. Like I actually believe that they're in this to just beat up FTR. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and the way that they talk about their family and like this farm and their chickens and everything, it's so believable and so honest. And I'm starting to feel like that about FTR too, like. um, I think FTR undoubtedly in the last two years, especially during the, during the pandemic, has really moved through a lot of phases trying to find themselves as wrestlers after leaving the WWE. And I think they're finally in a groove now where it's like, this is who they are and this is their reality. Uh, do you have any, and I'm putting you on the spot here and I apologize, do you have any bold predictions for this FTR Briscoes 2 match? See, I was in the boat where, like, I I didn't want the Briscoes to lose last time, but I was Ooh. like, oh, like, it's FTR's time, like, you know. Yeah. So this time I'm like, well, I kind of want, I kind of want the comeback, but I'm also like, now I don't want FTR to lose, like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm, it's, I'm in like a, 
I'm in like a boat where it's like I feel like I'm like a child of divorce. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's how yeah. I I think it's possible that Briscoes will win here yeah. simply because I don't think FTR working Ring of Honor TV is like ever going to happen and it can't like you can't do that if they're chance. But also it's like I would love to see FTR win, you know, the Impact tag titles or mm-hmm you know, PWG, maybe shout out to Malachi Black and Brody King. Um, And I would like to see them do that. And then like slowly lose them kind of in the way they did with Kenny Omega, but like better because Kenny, they really had to ditch a lot of the titles fast because he was so injured. But also if the Briscoes win, then we get, you know, a trilogy and you know, my love of trilogies. I love a good trilogy. (laughs) So I'm so excited for this match, and it's beyond stupid how excited I am for this match. Um, the rest of this card looks great. Gresham will be there. Uh, Mercedes Martinez will be there. Yuta versus Daniel Garcia is happening on this show. But this FTR Briscoes feud, I think, is going to be one for the history books. Yeah, and, you know, the Briscoes are Ring of Honor staples, mm-hmm. and they're always going to be Ring of Honor staples. And I think that well, I don't know if this is going to top their first match. I feel like a lot of people for a long time thought that the Briscoes were kind of like a one-trick pony type of thing. Um, but they've proved, not even just with their FTR match, but um, various times over the past, that they're not just like brawlers. Like, they can do technical stuff, too. And they can tell a story. So, I'm excited to see what they do with this match. Yeah, and I was really impressed with the Briscoe stuff, Um in GCW and Impact after Ring of Honor went on its hiatus. I was really impressed with a lot of their athleticism, um, top rope stuff, just like stuff that you wouldn't expect from guys, one of their size and two of like their appearance and their age. Not that they're old, but you know, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, and they're just willingness, willing, willingness to evolve and sort of meet their opponents halfway on a lot of things. I think we saw a lot of that in GCW. Um, and I think we saw that with FTR too in what was it May, April, May when Supercard of Honor was back then. I'm interested to see if we see uh, FTR sort of work up to do a lot of the stuff that the Briscoes have been doing. Uh, not that I want Dax or Cash to be you know hurt or anything, um, but I don't know. There's just something so cool about seeing <laughs> about seeing tag teams mix and match styles in a match. And I want to see a little bit more of that in this match. If, if they're going to top the Supercard match, they have to do that. Do, they got to bring a little bit more brawler for sure, yeah. Yeah, Dax and Jay. I just need them to just totally swap and just do absolutely insane things. I'd love it. So moving on, because um, I don't want to spend too much of our time here, because what we're going to talk about next is uh, this is Haley's like this is your time to shine this is like your your golden egg to bring to <laughs> the tag talk we got the bucks and hangman so i'll 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 preface it with the bte stuff and then Haley, it's all yours oh um, love that love this so, <laughs> i'm so ready to listen i'm so intrigued i got my drink i'm in my comfy clothes i'm so ready i'm so excited so on being the elite this week it was a normal being Healy episode, but if you remember um, the week, the dynamite before this one, the Young Bucks did a promo and they were saying we have no friends, like no, everyone's injured, yada yada, except for the one. But then they kind of um, rolled it back, and then this we get a scene at the end of the episode. Uh, Matt Jackson is sitting outside, and he pulls out his phone. He starts texting someone. The camera shows he's texting Hangman, and he's saying. Basically, like, look, can we put all this behind us? Can we talk about this? Like, I love you. You're one of our best friends. And someone on Twitter pointed out, and I'm sorry, I can't remember your Twitter handle. I did look for it. Maybe someone can comment it below that this was the same text that Matt had sent when they first started fighting. When Hangman said, uh, basically, I'm the least successful member of the elite. And so now we get Matt, who apparently has been thinking this the entire time. And Nick is the one who's sort of pulling his emotions in. Uh, and we did see that in the promo segment on Dynamite. Um, and I don't know. Matt didn't hit send. He deleted it. He's still thinking about it. But 
what an emotional moment. And I, I know it's a meme at this point, but put that on dynamite. Please. What, what are we doing? Long-term storytelling. Come on. Um, but yeah, and I know you already kind of uh, mentioned the fairly identical text that he sent. It was like two years ago now. Um, but I feel like it's important to note, too, that when that text was sent, um, Hangman never saw it. Uh, and Matt Hardy had answered Matt Jackson's text and basically, like, cussed him out, whatever, said, I don't want to talk to you. And so Hangman didn't know that. And then, you know, as Hangman started to progress with the Dark Order um, and the Bucks started to kind of feel, you know, a little left out, like they wanted to say something, whatever. And then Matt just kind of was like, you know, he's happy with the Dark Order, like, maybe we should just leave it here, just close the book, whatever. But clearly, clearly, those emotions still there. And I'm so ready to get the hung bucks back. <laughs> I know. So I, I think pr- most people probably know about this. Uh, but back in the pre-AW days, the Bucks and Hangman, they were a trio. Mm-hmm. And I think we mentioned this in a previous episode that they're probably moving towards trios without Kenny Omega because it's clear Kenny Omega is not going to be back anytime soon. And I th- we're probably going to get the Hung Bucks, and I think they'll probably win it. Yeah. And I would love to see them in the finals against the Dark Order or maybe like a semifinals, yeah. something like that. I think that would be so emotional. But Hangman's going to have to choose, and I think he will always choose the Elite. I think he's always felt out of place in the Dark Order and out of place, you know, as world champ and all these things because he knows or he feels that Elite are the only ones who have ever really had his back. Yeah, and even we mentioned this a little bit in the FTR episode, so you guys can go back and watch that um, that we found last week. Um, but just kind of like Hangman's whole story with FTR too and how this kind of like kicked off his or the Bucks disdain for Hangman. Um, it's going to be interesting. And I feel like what a better way to say, like, I'm sorry than to kind of just have them win these trio titles and be the first trio champs, especially because again, I was under the assumption that Kenny also, um, was going to be part of that. But like you said, hangman is always going to be part of the elite. He's always going to choose the elite. So I can't wait to see them all united. And, and, you know, what a, what a stroke of luck it is. And I'm not going to say that injuries are ever fortunate or that I'm cheering for them. But we're getting this incredible story with the Bucks and Hangman, who are, you know, very important, the very talented wrestlers. But they were kind of always overshadowed by Kenny and all the great things that Kenny was doing. And then I feel like if Hangman had done this reunion angle with the Bucks, but then you have Kenny and Adam and that mm-hmm. – they both definitely overshadowed this trio. So it's really interesting to see the elite when they're stripped of like their singles leaders. It's like the Bucks and it's Hangman and it will always be the Bucks and Hangman. And I think that's such a good story to tell and I'm really excited for it. I think we'll start to get some subtle things. Maybe Hangman, you know, looking at the Bucks, you know, backstage, maybe, you know, mentioning something in a promo the way the Bucks did. Uh, but I guess now we have to watch Being the Elite every week <laughs> to see this Is stuff. Is Matt Jackson going to send that text? <laughs> send the text, Matt. You know you want to. Nick's not there. He can't tell you not to. And I, well, We're listen, telling you to. <laughs> everyone clip this and send it to Matt Jackson. He knows who needs to. He, he knows it. And Nick's not there. And I, I'm not saying that Nick's like a jerk and that he doesn't you know, like Hangman or, well, Bullies Matt or whatever. But Nick definitely, I think, felt more hurt by Hangman leaving. Because um, going all the way back to when Kenny and Hangman... After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. 
and were, you know, feuding with the Bucks. Uh, we had Nick, who was very upset, who was like, we took you under our wing in Ring of Honor, and we showed you the way. We, you, you know, we got in the Bullet Club because of us. We did all these great things together, and now you're basically throwing us away. And I think it's going to take a lot for Nick to get there. And I don't know when trios belts are coming or anything, but I would love to see this story start progressing on dynamite more than it is on being the elite. Yeah. I also wanted to add that um, I feel like recently before they started to kind of tease this storyline a little bit more, hangman was kind of starting to float a little bit, Um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I'm never necessarily a fan of, especially because he was just champion, and I feel like he was just floating right back down the card. Um, So I'm happy that he's getting this time to shine, too. Obviously, you know, not saying that it's a good thing that Kenny got injured or anything like that, but, you know, it's nice to have him kind of shine in this way, too. Yeah, I definitely agree. I did think Hingman was kind of floating. I think um, the stuff he did with the Dark Order was really great, but there were when he was champion, he didn't necessarily fit with the group anymore uh, because of, you know, all the things a champion has to carry. And I think we saw that at the, um, the four way at forbidden door, uh, the match ends and basically everyone has someone who can help carry them to the back, except for hangman. And we did get some, you know, hung bucks interaction on there. The young bucks looked at hangman. They stayed back. They wanted to help hangman as hangman struggling by himself to get to the back. But they're stopped by Kyle O'Reilly, that little rat. Uh, but yeah, Hangman doesn't have anyone. Like, not even the Dark Order, really, at this point. Despite saving the Dark Order on Dynamite. Um, and I think he's... I think Hangman and the Dark Order was great. But I think the better story to tell is Hangman and the Bucks against the Dark Order. And Hangman and his own personal story. Because since the beginning of AEW, it's been about Hangman. It's been about his journey as a wrestler and as a person. And from the very first press conference. And I think this is an interesting chapter in the Hangman story. And when Kenny comes back, when Adam comes back, I don't know what will happen. I hope they're all, I hope they're both great. I hope they're, you know, healing as the best they can. But this, I'm into this story. And I don't want either of them messing it up. I'm sorry. If, if I have to give up this story for Kenny Omega, it's not happening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And that's coming from Kenny Omega's biggest fan. Like, yeah, always, always. But listen, the Hung Bucks were probably one of my favorite parts of, I don't know, you call it like the peak ROH era Mm -hmm. or, you know, the, the Bullet Club ROH era, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. There's always something so interesting about. Hangman, who is significantly younger than the Bucks. I don't think a lot of people know that, but he is. He's significantly younger. Um, Something about him being, like, mentored by the greatest tag team of the time. Let's be clear. By the Bucks and by Kenny Omega. And he sort of superseded them. And now he's, like, lost. And he's just wandering around. He he lost the four-way. He wasn't in the... um, aw interim world champion fiasco that happened and i don't know i think the bucks despite being aw world tag team champions i think they're in much of the same boat there's no kenny omega there's no adam cole they're just the bucks and i don't think they know like at this they said, like yeah. they said they don't have any of their friends left besides hangman but they don't have any of their friends left yeah and i don't think the bucks know how to be just the bucks because yeah. they've always been the bucks Prior to the Bullet Club, they were the Bucks, of course. But they've been the Bucks in the Bullet Club. They've been like AJ's boys. And then they were Kenny's boys. They had the Hung Bucks. They had the Super Click. So it's like they also are in the same boat. They're learning to find themselves as individuals apart of, you know, apart from their groups that they've been in. And I think there's something, so, and we're romanticizing this a lot, but I think that's. <laughs> I think that's one of the great things about wrestling is that you can romanticize it and it's it's just incredible. But I just think there's something really, really interesting with like these two groups or these two like parties just floating around, not knowing what to do. And then they come together and they win the trios titles together. That's the story I want. And if Tony Khan isn't going there, I'm going to be very upset. 
Yeah, and I feel like there aren't a ton of, like, beautiful, for lack of a better word, stories like this that can just be carried out over a long period of time. And, you know, AEW is kind of known for that in their long-term storytelling. But, you know, the Elite has always been, like, the core of um, AEW, so. Yeah, I definitely... And if you look at, like, the history of AEW... I think a lot of the biggest stories have been elite-centric. Mm-hmm. With the, ex- you know, the notable exceptions of Darby Allen and John Moxley and Britt Baker, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the elite has been sort of the center, both of AW and of the movement they're trying to start. Mm-hmm. And I think Hangman has played an integral role in that, both when he was in the elite and when he's outside of the elite. And, you know, maybe we're being romantic, maybe we're being dramatic, but I think <laughs> I think AW has always shown that they will value storytelling above most anything else. And I think when you look at the individual career histories of, you know, Kenny Omega and the Bucks and Hangman, I think that's clear, too, that they value the story above all else. I, you know, just they're all incredible wrestlers, incredible athletes. But I think when you strip away sort of the flashiness of the way that they all wrestle, I think they're, it's clear their priorities, both in every match and over time for long-term storytelling, has been, you know, a relationship with the crowd and making the crowd feel something, as well as the relationships with each other. And much in the way I talked about FTR in the FTR episode, which you all should watch, um, I think they're all friends, of course, as far as I know. But I think they do a very excellent job of showing relationship dynamics in a way that doesn't make me feel stupid. Like they don't, they, like they don't go up to each other and say, "Hey, you're my best friend. Do you want to do this match with me?" Yeah, it's it's like, not like clownery. <laughs> no, and it, it's not like um, like high school drama esque. Like I would bring NXT 2.0 into this, but it's not like NXT 2.0 where everything is blatant and in your face. That has its time and its place. But I think there's something so special about the elite in the way that they can, that we can sit here and talk about their stories in this way, this, you know, heavily dramatic, heavily detailed way. And they're doing it just with the smallest things like Matt Jackson writing a text on a YouTube show. And somehow here we are, we've been talking about this for over 10 minutes about, and it all started with Matt Jackson in a text message. And now we can go back and we can look at their interactions and the things that they've said for the smallest, tiniest little details that create a whole story. And I think that's something that's, one sort of a big, big part of tag team wrestling that gets missed more often than not. And two, one of the incredible things about the elite. Yeah. And we can even take it back to the full gear match too. And the rampage before um, full gear, when hangman had apologized to the bucks and he was like, you know, like don't get in the way of the match. Like, you know, and obviously we know that the bucks had come down to ringside, and, you know, Nick was a little bit more hesitant. Like, he he definitely wanted to get up there and get in the ring, but he follows his brother's direction. And, you know, Matt gave him the go-ahead and was like, you know, like, it's your time. So I feel like it's going to be interesting to see how this evolves. Um, but I just love the Elite. <laughs> I just love the Elite, too. If you guys want an Elite-dedicated episode in the same way we did the FTR episode, let us know, because we... We are longtime elite fans, and I have a lot to say about the elite, if you couldn't tell. I love all of these guys so much. Haley's, you know, the Young Bucks fan of the group. <sighs> anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, just to sum it up, I think I think we're definitely going to get this trio. I think we're moving into trios titles without Kenny Omega. I think that's evident by everything that's going on on AWTV between the House of Black. And, you know, the Dark Order and all these groups. I think it's clear. Uh, and I think the Bucks and Hangman are going to be there. I would be, it's interesting though, the Bucks who are tag team champs, are they going to be double champs or are they going to drop the belts and then we're going to go into trios? I don't know. That's a good point. I don't know. AW loves their double champs. They love a good double champ, but I don't they think that's their story. Two time AEW world champ tag champs so yeah i just don't think the bucks 
as tag champs, like just the two of them serves this hung bucks story. Like it needs to be all of them together, not the bucks and then hangman. So I think they got to drop those belts probably to FTR, uh, all out wow all, all out is so soon it's just a, like two months away well we got we got to get working time clock's ticking but in other aew news um did you have any other hung bucks thoughts i could go on for days so we should just kind of hear <laughs> another aw news uh i'm not gonna go too much into this because it's ring of honor yeah. but it's all it's uh watch code of honor podcast watch watch code of honor podcast on bodyslam.net YouTube channel every Monday at 3 p.m. Myself and my co-host Kyle Sparks talk everything Ring of Honor. And this ep- this week's episode is going to be, oh, it's, it's going to have a lot going on because this rampage was Ring of Honor. This was an episode of Ring of Honor TV, really was. and I was for it. So we had a tag match, and it was Jonathan Gresham and Lee Moriarty versus Tully Blanchard Enterprises. Uh, it was an okay match. I mean, let, let's be clear. I was very interested in the Jonathan Gresham being there more than I was interested in this tag match. But then, it, you know, we get Jonathan Gresham refusing to tag Lee Moriarty. He just walks away, and he's just buddy-buddies with Tully Blanchard, which is weird. I don't think I like that part. I don't know why he would be there. But it was to set up, you know, the, the title match with uh, Lee Moriarty, which is next Rampage, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just wanted to mention that, you know, the Ring of Honor tag team division is coming together. And, you know, we got one of the totally Blanchard Enterprises, but this specific tag team, it's like Gates of Hell. And then who else is tag team? We have FTR, the Briscoes? Maybe? <laughs> Girl, the Briscoes there. Brian Cage is still. He's still it's part of the Tully Blanchard, right? Yeah. As, well, as far as I know, but he wasn't on this rampage. Yeah. So I don't know. But I, as far as I know, he's still there. I don't know why he wouldn't have been on the rampage. Maybe he had a booking somewhere else. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. Um, we'll talk more about the Ring of Honor tag team division as it grows. Probably more about FTR and the Briscoes. Um, if more promo videos drop, you can bet I'm going to be here giving, <laughs> giving you my job. It could be 30 seconds, but we're going to dissect the whole entire thing. <laughs> and in the background, if you look really closely, there's a chicken. <laughs> the chicken symbolizes. <laughs> and, I, and if you look, Mark poured about three tablespoons <laughs> This signifies. <laughs> because, because FTR... Ring of Honor, Triple H, IWGP Tag Team Champions. It comes together. Oh my <laughs> but we, oh my gosh. Anyway, oh my, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry for this more than I'm gonna cry over Cash Wheeler. <laughs> but this is gonna be a sobering segment. Uh, we're gonna talk WWE now. Um, I didn't mention NXT 2.0, so let's go into NXT 2.0. Uh, Listen, the NXT 2.0, the entire women's division, the women's singles and women's tag is not for me. I'm going to make that clear. But this duo of Cora and Roxanne, I think is for me. Um, I saw them I saw them wrestle Toxic Attraction at the NXT um, house show, live event, whatever it was, that I went to. And I was very, very impressed with these two. Uh, they're both very young, Cora Jane and Roxanne. But I, mean, I think they wrestle very co- yeah, I think they wrestle cohesively as a team more than they probably should, given their lack of experience in tag team wrestling and in wrestling in general. I think if WWE wants to bring people up to the main roster, and maybe this is controversial, I think they should start with these two. Maybe maybe I'm stepping out of line, but I think they should leapfrog Mandy Rose. So I feel like we've been really critical of specifically NXT 2.0, if you've watched anything that we've done together. But I feel like this is an, like, it's an indication that the future may be good. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you said, if you're going to bring anybody up, it needs to be those two, especially because, you know, Roxanne has that television um, experience prior, which is why I think she's kind of been, like, fast-tracked. 
she's an incredible wrestler as well. But I don't know, just they they have surprised me as a tag team. I really like them together, and not just because they're AJ's daughters. Um, but yeah, I'm just really happy that they're champions. Yeah, I thought this match. Um, did we mention that they won? No, not at all. They won the NXT Women's Tag Team Great American Bash. Um, yeah, they won the titles, um, yeah. which was a big step for both of them because yes. they've never really been in sort of this main event, this champions level before. First time uh, them in NXT. Yes, and it then well, they're so young, and I, you know, Ryan hasn't been there that long. It's a little longer. Uh, I thought this match was great. Um, it's no secret that I'm not really a fan of. Well, not of Toxic Attraction and basically every other women's tag team in WWE, um, with the exception of two we're going to talk about in a minute. And I don't know. There's just something so that gives me a little bit of hope seeing, you know, women this young shine this way. And like the fans are really behind them. And they're a tag team, too, which makes it harder in WWE because fans are sort of conditioned not to really take it that seriously. But this was a big win, and I think it was celebrated as a big win. So I don't know. I hope we get good things from them moving forward. I hope they get a long reign. I'm a little nervous because, I mean, the NXT tag division for the women is very slim pickings. So are we just going to have, like, a long-tenured feud with Toxic Attraction? Because I don't really want to see that. Um, I want them to have, you know, a great reign with Mm – potential prospects like i just i don't mm. no it's there don't vibe either yeah and i think your skepticism is warranted given wwe's history with tag team wrestling and especially women's tag team wrestling um i think that's a good segue into sasha and naomi mm-hmm. uh, so i don't think there's anyone watching this who isn't aware of what's happening but just in case uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi were, you know, main roster WWE women's tag team champions. Basically, they, you know, gave up their titles and they walked out of WWE. There's been reports um, from a few sources that they were released, that they were, that WWE, you know, that they requested the release and WWE was just kind of sitting on it or, or you know, they were released and the WWE waiting for them to come back. Just all these conflicting reports because no one in WWE is really talking about what's happening. But it's looking more and more likely like Sasha and Naomi are out of WWE. Um, The women's tag titles are just kind of in flux right now. There's nothing really happening there. Um, So I think think it's valid to say that WWE, from the development of the women's tag titles to this point, has never given them the attention that they needed. Even the first, you know, the first champs, I don't think there's been a women's tag title reign celebrated. Well, apart from the Iconics, when the Iconics won, because that was super emotional. Um, but I think Sasha Banks, you know, Sasha and Bailey, that tag team, I think that was important to Sasha Banks. And I think Sasha and Naomi was even more important to Sasha Banks. Uh, and to, I think there's a lot of frustration happening with the way they wanted to treat their tag team. They wanted it to break off into like a singles feud. Um and the, just overall, the lack of attention paid to the division. And I think WWE introduced the titles without the intent to make it a big deal in the way that it probably should have been. So, and you know, you know, I don't, it's so hard to speak about this without putting words in Sasha and Naomi's mouths about it because we haven't heard much of anything from them. But I think objectively, the women's tag division, at least on the main roster, has been subpar for a long time years yeah i agree i when they had first won the titles i was very hopeful because i was like oh you know like sasha is a main event star like she's gonna help catapult this division and naomi too like she hasn't really been doing anything they've kind of been just throwing her on the back burner which i don't understand because she's also an incredible talent she's won championships she's an incredible wrestler Mm -hmm. she's very athletic Um, she's very charismatic, the fans love her, um, but then just, like, the more, as 
days went on and things happened. Like, I, it's just really frustrating. Yeah, and I've always said, um, and you know what? You, you can find this. I've tweeted this so many times. I've always said that Naomi belongs in the same group as the horsewomen. I think Naomi is has always been super underrated as a talent. And you can talk about, you know, athleticism and technique and blah, blah, blah. But when you come down to bare bones wrestling ability from, you know, her in-ring to her promos to her entertain, entertainment ability to all the things that make a wrestler, I think Naomi is up there. And I think Sasha and Naomi is an elite pairing that WWE could have done a lot more with. Um, and they could have really use them to hold up this tag team division until they could rebuild it, you know, after losing the Iconics and, you know, basically all their women's tag teams, basically all their female wrestlers. And they didn't. It was clear that WWE did not care about their reign. Um, I think even when they were still wrestling and they were still wrestling as tag champs, I think WWE didn't give them time. I think there was no stories that really made a lot of sense. And, Clearly that got to Sasha and Naomi because they did walk out, but that's all we really know. Like we don't know if they were released, if they're waiting for the release, what's going on. Um, but if they are released, I would like them to stay a tag team because I think there's something really special there. And, you know, AW has, you know, quietly been building a little women's tag division. I'm not saying tag tales are coming soon, that there's going to be, a, you know, an official division or anything like that. But I don't know. I think Tony Khan, if they are released, of course, should shell out millions on these two. Because like I said, I think there's something so special about the way those two interact with each other. Yeah, and I think, too, Tony has expressed interest in eventually bringing in women's tag titles. Um, but I do think that they should be kept the team as well, um, especially because you know, they left together, and I think, you know, they're stronger as a unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I don't know. I feel like they could really bring some value to AEW, though. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a frustrating situation, because we don't know if they're released. Yeah. I would like them to be released if that's what they want. Um, yeah. I've always I've always loved those two, and, I, you know, I think they're very valuable to WWE. But if they want to be released, go for it. Um, a lot of people are saying they're going to end up in Impact Wrestling, and it's just not going to happen. Impact doesn't have the budget for these two. I'm sorry. Yeah. I love Impact. I'm a big Impact fan. But we're talking about Sasha Banks and Naomi, who are arguably, arguably the two in terms of – okay, Sasha Banks is probably the best female wrestler in North America. And I think Sasha and Naomi are hot commodities, and I think they're – among the biggest free agents, if they are free agents, uh, in wrestling, at least in the last year. I think a lot of companies are hurting for female wrestlers because the indie scene is full of them, but, like, a lot of them just want to be independent wrestlers, which is fine. Um, AW, at the very least, I, I don't know about Sasha because Sasha has trained in Japan. She's done a lot of stuff in Japan. But I think you should start with Naomi. And maybe, maybe that's a controversial opinion. I think people are expecting Tony to jump on Sasha and not Naomi, but I think there's a lot more you can do with Naomi. And when you look at, you know, AW's history, all the free agents they've signed for um, like Malachi Black and, you know, Eddie Kingston, all these guys, it's always been people who have never really, it's never clicked and they've never gotten the push that they really should have gotten or they've never, you know, showed out like they should have. And I think Naomi's in that category. So whatever they do, I hope it's as a tag team. And I hope them being an AW gets Tony Khan to give us women's tag titles. The division's small, but the tag teams are there. Yeah. And I wanted to add, too, I feel like people are always quick to say, like, oh, like, AEW is signing all these ex-WWE talents, whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. And this is unfortunate but AEW is one of the only other companies in the world that can afford to shell out millions of dollars because of Tony Khan um, on talent. And that's just Mm -hmm. like, they're not, they're not going to settle for less when they know that their worth is more. If they didn't stay in WWE, what makes you think that they're going to settle for less? Yeah. Like it's not about 
it's not always about the money. Um, but if you know your worth and your talent as a wrestler, why wouldn't you, yeah. you know, get equal or more and have a better schedule and get to do more, especially Sasha. Um, that would open her up to do more stuff in Hollywood as well. Um, but yeah, I do think that they should start with Naomi, especially because Sasha's got her own stuff going on. They could always come back to that. Um, but I feel like she deserves her moment. She was kind of in that like beginner developmental NXT group with AJ. Um, and I feel like it says something that she's been able to spend over a decade now in WWE and um, just at the top, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to see what she can do in the ring and, you know, outside of the ring. I think she's seen her, sorry, we haven't seen her ability outside of WWE. Yeah, I feel like Naomi, of all the wrestlers on the women's roster, she's always been pigeonholed. Like, she's always just kind of been stuck in as, like, one version of herself, more so than any other wrestler, even Sasha. I feel like Sasha has been afforded a great degree of, you know, character development and being able to grow with, you know, the Sasha Banks uh, character, Naomi hasn't. So I'm really interested to see what Naomi looks like when she gets to choose, you know, what she wants to do, who she wants to wrestle, all that sort of stuff. But going back to the XWE point, um, I also just wanted to say, if you're Tony Khan and you're running a wrestling company and you're trying to grow your company, you're going to sign the best talent available, regardless of where they worked. And treating, you know, working in WWE as like a stigma, like the AEW shouldn't hire these guys because of that. That's bad for the talent because they can't really help that they worked in WWE. And now people, the fans don't want them to have opportunities because of that. That's let's, let's be honest. That's hypocritical and it's just wrong morally. Um, Having a career in WWE doesn't really mean much of anything. If you look at the WWE guys in AEW, they're all completely different from how they were in WWE. And also, I just wanted to say, Tony Khan would want to build the best roster available. And you don't have Sasha Banks, who's a generational talent, and Naomi, who is probably the greatest you know women's wrestling prospect out there. Uh, you don't let them sit in free agency and not sign them when you have the funds and the space for them. That's stupid. That's bad business. Why? Because fans are going to get on Twitter and say, well, they're ex-WWE wrestlers. They're so bad. It's stupid. Like having a career in WWE is not a bad thing. And wanting seasoned television wrestlers on your roster is not a bad thing, especially when, you know, AW does bring in a lot of young talent and a lot of inexperienced talent, especially in the women's division. So I just don't understand why people are all of a sudden treating it like as a bad thing that Sasha Naomi would be there. Or even if you go back at Claudio being there, Brian Danielson being there, it makes no sense to me. I think Sasha Naomi, if it's true that they've been released from WWE, I think this is game changing for AEW. I'm sorry. I think this is what the women's division has needed. I think you can sign as many indie talent as you want, as many developmental talent as you want, but AEW has really been needing a big, big, female free agent. Ruby Soho, love her. But it's undeniable that Sasha Banks is a bigger star than Ruby Soho. And this is what they've needed. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like the women's division um, as a whole has really kind of been on the come up in the past couple of months, you know, with Ruby and Tony and Mercedes and all of these um, incredible women coming in. Uh, But like you said, like, you need somebody to catapult them to the next level. Like, I feel like a lot of people treat AEW's women division, women's division as kind of, like, second rate or, mm-hmm. like, you know, they're too green, whatever, because of the younger stars. So if you bring somebody like Sasha and Naomi in, um, they can help, you know, they can be like a punk, like how he wanted to come in and just, like, put over these stars, like MJF and Darby Allen, and look at them. And I think with, you know, Tony Khan is expressing interest in working with stardom and, you know, having stardom talent come over. I think that's going to be something very interesting for Sasha and Naomi because they both, yeah, they both in the past expressed a love for Japanese wrestling, uh, especially Joshi. 
and sort of wanting to be a part of that world, the Joshi world. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think if they could do that in AEW, I think that's something that they probably won't turn down. Um, And I don't know. I think it's going to be so, it's just, we keep saying it's so interesting, but if Tony Khan does, you know, build a relationship with stardom of some kind or, you know, has a women's tag division going, I would love to see Sasha and Naomi at the front of that because, and it's nothing against the current AW women's division. If you look at it, there's some talented women there, but I think when you reach the top of the AW women's division, that's like the end for you. Like if you look at Britt Baker, she was up and then she reached, she's champ and she's stuck. And then she just kind of, you know, fizzles out. Sheeta, the same thing. Nyla Rose, the same thing. There's no next level for the women's division in AEW, the way there is for the men's. Literally like, all have, Yeah. It's like you're either champ or you're, like, Not just there. Yeah. Floating. But, and it's because there's this big hole in the middle of the women's card. You're either Sheeta, who is probably the best wrestler on the women's roster and is, you know, can hang with anyone in the world, or you're, like, the developmental girls. And there's this big hole. And if you could have Sasha and Naomi, who should be up here, but they're working with girls down here to bring them to the middle, mm-hmm. you're set. Especially if you're going to do tag titles. Because as champions, you can do a whole lot with getting talent over as champs. Um, so I, mean, I don't imagine know. I think- like a Bunny and Penelope or like yes. a Ty Conti and an Anna Jay mixing it yeah. up with them. Like We have the baddies. And you have Jade, who's TBS champion, but she has a squad of baddies who aren't doing much of anything. And you could do a whole lot with them. They're very talented wrestlers. And you have, you know, Ruby Soho, who's, who's you know, been floating around with Chris Statlander, who's now floating around with Athena. And there's no, like, solid relationships there because there's no tag team division for the women. I think you bring in Sasha and Naomi. You have them go on a tear as tag team wrestlers beating you know beating tj beating all beating the baddies beating all these people and then you just give sasha a mic and you say tony khan i demand that you you know get tag titles because clearly we deserve to be champions and tony khan will do it there'll be probably be a tournament because he loves his tournaments but i don't know this is a big opportunity for AEW, and i would hate to see them squander it of course this relies on them actually being released from wwe but i think i think as time goes on it's more and more likely yeah, I agree. I feel like they they've kind of achieved everything that they could in WWE. Um so, you know. And they still have they still have their yeah, they still have their best years ahead of them too. Like I I don't think they're even close to being done with wrestling. Um so if they uh do get released, um and maybe go to AEW. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like stardom is very intriguing. Working with a lot of girls that they've never gotten to share a wing with before is very intriguing. So. Yeah. And I think it's a great opportunity to shut down the doubters because Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, both of them have just, they get a lot of hate, you know, as much as they have stands like stands and people support them and, you know, they're always trending online. There's a lot of people who don't like them. And I don't know. I think women's tag team wrestling is sort of like the new thing. Like when we talk about like the women's revolution in wrestling, I think women's, if you have a tag division, like that's next step for women's wrestling, you know, it's bare bones minimum, of course, but I think that's definitely AW's next step. Uh, Trios titles for the men and tag division for the women. And what better way to do it than have, you know, two mainstream stars who, you know, have a chip on their shoulder because everything that happened and they come ready-made with dedicated fan bases who are going to pop for them no matter what happens. Um, I don't know. I think Sasha and Naomi have so much more to give than what they've been able to give in WWE. And if WWE doesn't release them and requires them to, like, wait out their contracts, that's a that's a bad move, especially with all the other stuff in the news about Vince McMahon. Like you, you cannot afford to be in the news for, you know, being mean to female employees. Not now. So they have a lot of leverage. They have a lot of time. And I don't know. I'm excited. I would love to see AW with the women's tag division. Do you have any closing thoughts? We've been 50 minutes. Goodness. I did not think that we were going to talk this long. I love it, though. 
I know. I love that when we can just sit down and talk about something and we're not so like, we don't have to check all the boxes where we can just let yeah. things work like this. It's great. Do you have it's any closing sure. thoughts? Well, you know, I just, I love talking about like women's tag divisions. So like if y'all could just give me more of that, that would be great. <laughs> yes. Um, if AW gets a women's tag division, you bet we're going to do a special on that. I think, I think AW has been sitting on a women's tag division for the entire time. Yeah. Like we had that women's tag tournament where you won the medals, but that doesn't really count. I think we've just been, been building tag teams and now they're just sitting there. And I'm like, Tony Khan, pull the trigger. Hopefully, no once, hopefully once Ring of Honor hopefully gets on TV and they kind of like transition out, they can bring those titles in. Yeah, I hope so. My closing thoughts is tag team wrestling is hotter now than it's been yeah. in a long time and for men and for women. I'm just so excited. If you have anything you want us to talk about tag team wrestling wise in WWE, AW on the Indies in Japan, wherever, uh, let us know because we're always interested to learn more about tag team wrestling. So let us know matches to watch things to see, whatever. Um, Haley, do you want to do your plugs? Well, you guys can follow me on Twitter. I updated, uh, I updated the uh, graphic. So now it's my actual username. Um, but yeah, I do some wrestling writing um, and you can check all that out on my Twitter. It's all there. <laughs> <laughs> my turn to move on me on Twitter at alert underscore Kylie. I post everything I'm doing there. Um, I also live tweet and I'm, I'm very funny. So follow me. Um, you can see us, both of us on Tag Talk every Sunday at five on Fightful Overbooked. We'll be here every week. Uh, we just did an FTR special. So make sure you go watch that. Um, Special thank you to Cash Wheeler for giving us that shout-out video. It meant, it meant the world to both of us. It was an incredible moment. Uh, you can also see me on Code of Honor podcast every Monday at 3. Uh, myself and my co-host Kyle talk about Ring of Honor. We have a lot to talk about now. We've kind of been struggling a little bit to keep the podcast going without TV news. But we Kyle is a great wrestling historian. We have a backlog of history episodes. Um, go check out the Ring of Honor Japan episode. We did a Ring of Honor in Japan episode. We talked a lot about the Hung Bucks. Go check that out. Um, anything else I'm doing, I kind of just post it on my Twitter. And just follow me and you can see what I'm doing. Um, subscribe to Fightful Overbook. Like this video. Comment below. Give us ideas for what you guys might want to see. Questions you might have for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah. That's all we have for you this week. I'm surprised we kept it under an hour, but you know what? We're getting efficient at this. We're getting good at this. Um, and we love tag team wrestling. So bye. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>